good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Welcome again to this new broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. We are thankful for you taking the time to listen. Today's broadcast is the second part of a message regarding Martin Luther and the authority and sufficiency of the Bible. It's broadcast as we mark the Reformation and its significance for the Church. If you'd like to hear the entire message, please get in touch or check our website on sermonaudio.com forward slash FPC. Today's message will begin with a, a recap of the, the first part. And then we'll continue to demonstrate the sufficiency of the Scripture in every area of Christian life. Before the message, though, we're going to hear the congregation sing the hymn, Jesus Paid It All. Bring our minds again to the Word of God, and um, we'll read Second uh, Timothy chapter three once more. Second Timothy three, and let's just read those two verses, verses sixteen and seventeen. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. 
And then we'll seek the Lord in a wee word of prayer. 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. On the 31st of October, 1517, Martin Luther is said to have posted his 95 Thesis to the Castle Church door in Wittenberg, Germany. And whilst we can quibble historically as to what he did and how he did it, it is clear that that event started, if you like, a snowball rolling. And as the snowball rolled, it grew larger and larger until it impacted the entire Western Europe. Indeed, the effects of the Reformation are fundamental to this land. As those who came from Europe to settle in this place in the days gone by carried Reformation truth into this nation. Luther, in his preface to those 95 theses, said this, Out of love for the truth and desire to bring it to light. And thus some have said the Reformation was a case of out of darkness came light. And truth... And the issue of truth and revelation was central to all that Luther believed and practiced. He behaved as he did. He said what he did because he believed it to be true. The Reformation would have been nothing if Martin Luther did not believe what he said to be true. Prior to the 1510s or 1517, the Bible was hidden from the people largely. Even the priests and the monks did not have the copies of the Scriptures. And the services, which contained parts of Scripture, were conducted in Latin. The people did not have the book. You cannot understand Luther unless you see his experience with the Bible. No Bible in his teenage years. Studying the Bible. Convicted by the Bible. Delivered by the Bible. Captivated by the Bible. And now translating the Bible. This man was a man of the Bible. And whatever else you may think about him, we must see him as a man of the book. Indeed, the Reformation itself was the discovery of God's revelation to man. The Bible. Not new. Not a new word from God. But the old word for God. Now in the hands of the ordinary people. That they could study the word of God. That they were not captive to the false teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. But that they can be delivered from those false teachings and see the glory of the light of the gospel of Christ. The Reformation was an unveiling of God's word to the people. What did Luther believe about the Bible? The first thing is this. It is the authority of the Bible. I have this first because this was the linchpin of the Reformation. Some have called it the formal cause of the Reformation. He said this, No Christian believer can be forced to believe an article of faith beyond Holy Scripture. Why do we believe what we believe? Well, for Luther it was the final authority of the Word of God. But he believed that because he understood another matter, and that is the sufficiency of the Scriptures. The Scriptures are truth, as they are the final source of knowledge. We, we could have sang various parts of Psalm 119, and they all give the same thing. The psalmist understands, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. 
There's an understanding here that the Bible is the source of truth. Isaiah would say, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Luther understood the Bible to be sufficient for his purpose. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's why we read this portion of God's word together. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The sufficiency of the Bible rests upon the truth of its inspiration. Verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Luther said this, Why is Scripture inerrant? Why are there no errors in the Word of God? Because we know that God does not lie. No, it's the simplicity of their mindset. These words come from God, and God cannot lie. It is inspired. It is inerrant. However, the issue was, where does truth rest? Does it rest in the Word alone, or does it rest in the Word and in the church? Because as the Counter-Reformation proceeded, the Roman Catholic Church came to claim that tradition was also inspired of God. And this is the issue. So they did not deny the inspiration of the sacred scriptures. But they also came to profess, and they still do, that church tradition has the authority of scripture and is also inspired of God. Scripture alone was clear and consistent and unerring. And therefore, scripture had the final authority. Its sufficiency based upon its inspiration, was sufficient because God would not give something that would not function adequately. That's what it says back in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful. Dear people, the Scriptures are sufficient to reveal salvation. Verse number 15, it is through the Scriptures that Timothy was made wise unto salvation. Why is it so important to give an entire evening to consider the matter of Scripture? It is because Scripture is where we find Christ. And if we do not have the right views of the Word of God, then we will not have the right view of Christ. If this book is under a higher authority, then some higher authority can come and correct what it says regarding Christ. If this book is subject to error and to, to inaccuracy, well then it could be inaccurate regarding Christ. And if our foundation of the Word of God is vital because this book reveals Christ, predicted in the Old Testament, revealed in the New explained in the new the scriptures that are sufficient to make man wise unto salvation dear soul you will not be saved until you see christ in the word you will not come to that saving relationship with god unless you come by the way of the cross and christ as he's revealed in the word you look at luke 24 christ makes the man on the way to a mess and what's he do? He shows him in Moses and in the prophets, indeed in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. This book is about the Christ. When Philip calls up alongside the chariot in Acts chapter 8, and the Ethiopian eunuch, he reveals Christ in all the scriptures. The Bible is sufficient for salvation. 
but it's also sufficient for sanctification. Verse 16 and 17 show us that the Bible is all the man of God needs to teach people in the ways of truth. The reference there to the man of God more than likely refers to the gospel minister. And the word of God in the hand of the gospel minister is the means whereby people can be indeed taught doctrine, reproved for their sin, corrected from their errors, and instructed in the rise of righteousness. This book is sufficient for the people of God to know how to live and how to believe. This book is all we need. It is sufficient. It is the sufficient and final authority in all matters of faith and practice. This is so relevant for today. Luther had really two battles to face in this regard on two separate areas. On the one hand, he had to fight with the Roman Catholics that the traditions of men were also authoritative. Dear people, tradition does not test Scripture, but Scripture must always test tradition. That is as true for us as it is for the Roman Catholic. Protestants are not short of their own traditions. And everything must come under the authority of the Word of God. Whatever we do and believe, it must be from the Scriptures. We must not do something or believe something simply because Luther did or simply because our fathers did. Young people, I encourage you with all of my soul, make sure what you believe regarding life and doctrine is based upon the Word of God. And if your parents instruct you in a certain doctrine or a certain practice, you have the right to say to them, what saith the Scriptures? Our lives and our faith, they must be based upon the Word of God. Not church tradition, but God's Word. Of course, we do have neighbors. You're being raised in the Roman Catholic Church and the authority of tradition is placed against the Word of God. And as such, we must declare this book is all you need. What does the Bible say regarding salvation? Is it dispensed by a priest through sacraments? Or is there only one mediator? And is his name Jesus? And is all that he has done, is that enough to bring you to God? Or do you need all of these so-called graces dispensed by a Roman priest? What does the Bible say? It says salvation is found in Christ alone, who is the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But Luther also had to fight on another front. And that was with the so-called enthusiasts of his day. I learned this recently. That, that word enthusiast is a, is a wonderful word. We, we use it differently now. But in its derivation, it speaks of having God within you. And for in, thus, in terms of theos and God, God within you. And there were those so-called enthusiasts in Luther's days, and these were Protestant Lutherans who believed that they had some new revelation. But Luther stood upon the sufficiency of the Word of God. The Bible is all I need. It is my authority. We don't need new revelations. Such enthusiasts were somewhat quiet until the mid part of the 1800s. And then they were resurrected in the form of the modern day charismatic movement. Whereby again there were those who believed they could bring new revelations in tongues and prophecies that could be used 
to explain or to add to the Word of God. Dear people, do we still stand upon the final authority of the Word of God? Do we still stand upon its sufficiency? Because we have the same battles to face as Luther did. Which leads to a third thing, which really is very important in this matter. And that is what Luther believed regarding the clarity of the Scriptures. For the Bible to be authoritative and sufficient, it was vital that it was clear. And that debate arose in Luther's life in in a somewhat unusual fashion. I've mentioned Erasmus already. Erasmus was the, uh, really in many ways, one of the leading figures of the Renaissance. Erasmus produced a Greek New Testament. Uh, Somebody said it laid the egg that Luther hatched. But Erasmus himself uh, wasn't keen on controversy. He avoided controversy. But at one point he entered into controversy by publishing a book called The Freedom of the Will. He argued that the main point of Christian life was to follow Jesus and not fight over doctrine. It's bang up to date, isn't it? Just follow Jesus. Don't fight over doctrine. Especially when he said there were good men on both sides of the debate. Erasmus said that doctrines such as justification, predestination, grace, these doctrines were unclear in Scripture. So therefore we should simply focus on the simple life that Jesus taught, because the doctrines were not clear. Luther wrote back to Erasmus in his book called The Bondage of the Will. And he tackled Erasmus' denial of the Scripture's clarity. He did say, not everything is equally clear. But he said, when it comes to salvation itself, salvation as taught in the Word of God is obscured only by human, and he said, and especially people ignorance. Don't blame the sun for your lack of sight, he said. Let wretched men cease to impute with blasphemous perverseness the darkness and obscurity of their own hearts to the all-clear scriptures of God. In other words, he's saying, if you believe the Bible is not clear, the problem is not in the Bible, it's in your hearts and in your mind. And therefore he opened up to deal with the issue of the bondage of the will. He said this, the Holy Spirit is not a skeptic, nor are what he has written in our hearts doubts or opinions, but a certain's more certain and more firm than life itself and all human experience. Dear people, this word is clear. The word is clear, it can be understood, and we can know the truth regarding God and sin and salvation. If you have questions regarding God, this is where you find the answers. The book is clear. But such a position on its clarity depended on two things for Luther. One was right interpretation, and the other thing was the Spirit's illumination. So the Bible is clear when it's interpreted correctly under the illumination of the Spirit of God. That's what makes the Bible clear. Do you take the Bible literally? That question could have been asked to Martin Luther. Do you have a literal view of the Scriptures? Now, in our day, that has come to mean something different than what Luther meant. Luther believed firmly that the Bible should be interpreted 
with the rules of basic literature. Therefore, it should be interpreted literally. It was called the sensus literalis, the literal sense of the passage. Now, what did that mean? Well, it meant that if you're reading history, you interpret it as history. And thus the Bible, to be interpreted properly, had to be interpreted with the right rules of interpretation. You see, in Luther's time, there was a, a various view of interpreting Scripture between the literal and the allegorical. And so somebody could have taken the text like Numbers 27, the Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain of Aborim. The literal sense is straightforward. Moses was told to go up to the mountain. But what the early church did prior, what the church did prior to the Reformation, they would have written books on what it meant to ascend the spiritual mountain. Taking the text as a picture. Not taking the literal sense of the text. And so the Bible, uh, all I want to say to you tonight is the Bible must be interpreted with care. And one of the reasons the Bible's confusion is that people lay aside the rules of interpretation. And therefore the Bible can mean what it says to whoever they feel like talking to. So for its clarity, it required that it be rightly interpreted. But it also required the Spirit's illumination. Luther said this, The Holy Spirit reveals and preaches that word, and by it he illumines and kindles hearts so that they grasp and accept it, cling to it, and persevere in it. The Holy Ghost is the means whereby we understand the word of God. And therefore the psalmist prays, Open now mine eyes. I may see those things, wonderful things, contained in the law. So Luther stood firmly on the clarity of the word of God. But a clarity that understood required the Spirit to open our eyes and us not to turn our brains off, but to rightly interpret what the Word says. So the last thing I want to think about tonight, and that is the efficacy of the Scriptures. As our text says in 2 Timothy 3, the Scriptures are able. Romans 1 says the Gospel is the power of God. Luther said this, and the word of God spread. Luther was convinced that it was God's word, not his cleverness, that was changing the world and reforming the church. He said this, we should preach the word, but the results must be left solely to God's good pleasure. I oppose indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. He says this, While I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. While he took his ease, he could sit back and watch as the word of God turned the world upside down. And that's where I want to finish tonight. I want to finish by reminding you of the power and the efficacy of this book. Do not doubt what the Word of God can do. And therefore I urge upon you that you renew your commitment to study the Word of God and to present the Word of God, to give the Word of God to a generation to come. For many who, like Luther, are being raised in their teens and are not seeing a Bible. In such days, we must remind ourselves, this book changes everything. I'm in the Spirit of God. 
opens up this book to the hearts and the lives of sinners, the world is turned upside down once again. It happened in the times of the apostles. It happened in Europe in the times of the Reformation. And by God's grace, it can happen today. But the Word of God will be that which does the work. We, in essence, will do nothing. But the Word will do everything. So that the Reformers could quite rightly say, Sola Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. For God alone works through His Word and changes things according to His will. Well, let's bow together in prayer and may these meditations stir up your soul. You'd be thankful you have a Bible in your own language. What a blessing it is to have the Word of God in a manner that you can read it and study it, understand it. May we always be thankful for the precious Word of the living God. The eternal God, we do thank you, Lord, once more for this book. We are here this weekend to rejoice in all that you did. Luther, bringing the Bible into German. Tyndale, bringing the Bible into English. And from these men, we have a Bible in our own language that is faithful to the Scriptures of the Greek and the Hebrew. We thank you, Lord, that in this English Bible we have a sure word of testimony. And we pray, O oh God, that you'd help us to study these things and to present this book to a lost world, that they would see Christ. O oh God, our concern for our neighbors is not that we be right and they be wrong. It is that they would be delivered from their sins, set free by the blood of Christ. O oh God, we pray you would do this for your glory. Show Christ in his word and deliver a multitude of lost souls for the honor and glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.